Hi, I'm Ryan Lim, your host to the QED Changemaker Series podcast. Here, we have conversations with senior executives and business leaders about their visions, ambitions, and concerns for the largest and most challenging issues facing our industry today. For each episode, we'll be discussing different topics with these thought leaders, decision makers, and most importantly, change makers. Combined, these are the captains of our industry who will be shaping our future. This podcast is for the QED Changemaker series on 29th May 2020. We'll be focusing on how organizations are dealing with the new norm resulting from COVID-19. Our guest in this episode has been in the entertainment and movie industry for over 24 years. She's also the first female chief executive of Golden Village, Singapore's largest cinema chain. At its home, she's an innovative leader that kept the cinema experience appealing by introducing automated ticket machines, QR code tickets, and even one of Asia's largest movie screens. Before becoming chief executive, she pioneered the practice of lowering ticket prices at off-peak hours to draw crowds, which has since become the industry standard. Let's welcome Clara Chiu to our first podcast season of QED Changemaker Series. Hi Clara, how have you been? Hey, hi Ryan, I'm fine. How about you? <laughs> Doing the best I can right now with all that circuit breaker that's going on. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what everybody is trying to. Well, we are actually very excited to learn from industry leaders like yourself. So let's get started. Now, everyone is talking about the new norm for the industry, business and organizations, and most are concerned about now and beyond COVID-19. So let's start with your views of the industry and business in general. How has the industry or your business changed as a result of this pandemic? Our industry was the first to experience actually the impact of the virus way before its name COVID-19. About one week before CNY in uh, late Jan, our team were all ready to welcome our big season of the year because we have this Asian releases, films like Jiang Zia, The Rescue, etc. And we had the advanced years all lined up. Then on the 22nd of January, Okay, that's a few months ago. I received a call from one of our distribution partners. So he, he asked, are you sitting on a chair properly? Because what I'm telling you, you may fall off the chair. Then he went on to share that due to the virus outbreak in Wuhan, China, that films from China have to defer releases and we have to take the films down from our advanced sales. Now, that was the start of what was later to be known as COVID-19 pandemic. So we only have two to three days because 22nd, Jan and then 25th is Chinese New Year. So very short turnaround, we have to find a replacement films that have been pulled out, we have to communicate and then we have to process refund. So yeah, quite chaotic. So this also kicks in a new precedent or new norm, you know, where film supplies will pull out at the very last minute, even though advances have gone live. You know, subsequently we have another event like A Quiet Place, the marathon. We were almost sold out on this event and then again we had to apologize with the refund customers when the studio deferred its uh, release date at the very last minute. With such a massive change, and it is disruption, right, in, in the biggest sense, will that also impact the change or rethink of your business model moving forward? Because it seems like this is not going to go away anytime soon, right? How do you think about the business model? Yes, you know, with key movie releases shifted out at last minute, it means that we have to be resilient to last-minute changes. We have to be able to deal with this expeditiously in terms of finding suitable replacement titles. We have to uh, make it clear the censorship board quickly, you know, within the short time frame. We have to publicize and market the film. We have to communicate to our customers and process with them all within a very short time frame. So these are diversification of our film supplies and content calendar or what we call dating is also important. We cannot now no longer be overly reliant on only one source, you know, Hollywood films. 
So we have to build up an audience base for different kinds of films. We call it niche content. Actually, in fact, we've been doing this for a while, you know. We, we have the Love and Pride film festivals. We have animation films like Detective Conan, One Piece movie. We have live telecasts of concerts before, recent one, BTS. Asian films were also something that we sourced extensively. Recent Oscar Best Pictures Parasites will rerun again and it did quite well. So now we have been playing more and more of this wide variety of films and I believe we have to intensify this even more so. Is it something that we have to be very concerned about with the fact that right now social distancing it may not be just for the pandemic period, right? It may be something more long-term. Then will that generate some form of new risk areas that you might be concerned about as well? Yes, with cinema closure and social distancing, uh, short notice of closure. You know, we have perishable goods. Example, our hot dogs of wine or beer that has an expiry date that we have disposed of. That's a happy problem actually, right? Because we can then sell all this to employees who can you know, snatch up these stocks anyway. And on a serious note, we have movie-affiliated merchandise and combo premiums that we ordered one year ahead. Now we have to pay and take delivery now. But with the shifting of movies, temporary closure of the business means we have to readjust all our plans for the year. Would you even consider going online to start selling your memorabilia as well? Certainly. Just three days before we were mandated to close, we were actually getting ready to sell our snacks combos online with one delivery platform. But we have to shelve that because the cinemas have to close so, so it doesn't make sense to have a small segment of the employees still having to travel to work to try that, try that out. So, I mean, given the kind of disruptive changes and I think the cinema industry gets impacted one of the largest ways possible, right? Any particular support that you're hoping to ask for from the government or maybe for industry groups so that we can ride it out together? Yes. Now, we are grateful for the government budget package, especially the 100% uh, property tax rebate and the enhanced job support scheme. But then we still need to tie through the loss of income during closure period because latest announcement is uh, entertainment venue will take a longer time to open. So we hope that we'll wage subsidy support the higher level at 75% will continue until the time that we can reopen. Of course, rent waiver during the closure by our landlord is also critical as rent and which is the two biggest costs for cinemas. We hope government can help spur growth, like, you know, when everything's stabilised, they can buy more, maybe give vouchers, digital give vouchers and help disseminate. We can then help disseminate electronically to the nation to encourage spending you know, in the future. Lah. In your opinion, are these considered sustainable uh, programs or is there any sustainable program that in your mind that is going to help ride this out in the long term? We also hope the government can level the playing field with regards to the streaming platform in terms of relaxing censorship or restriction on, let's say, example, dialect films, cinemas can screen. You know, today you can watch Parasite, the Oscar-winning film in Korean language on our screen, but the Cantonese movies from Hong Kong, you still have to be dubbed in Mandarin. So these are some of the things that will help us, I think, bring audience back to the cinema in the long term. Which means that they need to be a bit more adaptable to the current situation so that at least we can... It's business unusual, right? <laughs> yes, so, that's right. Yeah, work together and try to resolve the best we can given the... Uh, current situation. How should we then, as an industry, right, and businesses in general, how should we think we can navigate out of this crisis? I mean, from your point of view, the vaccine, of course. <laughs> but we all know the vaccine <laughs> will take another year or so before it is ready. Uh, but this crisis has given the world and the businesses in general an opportunity to reflect and reimagine and recalibrate. But you know, economists have said the worst is yet to come. 
and the level of support for films will decline after the end of the circuit breaker period. So business like us in reality, let's face it, will not pick up so quickly. So heading into the third quarter, we will be confronted with a difficult decision of whether to adjust manpower costs in line with uh, revenue. So a recalibration of our manpower needs, our shift rostering template will have to be changed to ensure we have an optimal roster to meet lower business activity. So there's going to be a lot of changes, to, especially to work processes, human manpower capital. That's one of those areas that I think it's a massive investment and change, right? That's going to take up a lot of time and effort and focus areas for you. Yeah, that's right. Oh, maybe then we can shift our focus towards your company and your teams, right? Because that's where the bigger major disruption is happening and a lot of work on your side. What have you learned about your organization as you manage through this crisis? You know, I've been with the company for over 20 years, so I, I do know the organization quite well by now I hope. We have been through many crises together before but nothing beats COVID-19 crisis. Most employees are quite understanding when I tell them that we need to take some days off annually to help save costs. Most want to upgrade their skill set when we conduct in-house training or software skill like advanced Excel during this time. Once we get them started on VPN working from home using Zoom and Team, most were able to adapt quickly. So like, for example, at GV Paliba, one of our full-timers, Selena, she's 68 years old. And she learned how to use NS, MS team, and then she can join to the cinema location uh, team meeting. Um, yeah, and we have uh, managers calling their older staff um, to keep in touch. So as an organization, also we have to uh, double up our effort ensuring the well-being of our safety of our employees and also in terms of e-commerce, we have to continue to operate our ancillary business capability. In fact, we have to double our efforts in that area. This is something we learned this we haven't done enough. How are you leading and managing your employees through this? I mean, there's so much adaptation going on and I've heard that you just mentioned that you've got someone which is 68 years old learning and adapting as well, right? Which is good news. Uh, that means everyone can learn. Well, I make sure that uh, managers cascade down. You know, we have WhatsApp group meeting, urgent communication. And then during this period, of course, we will meet weekly by MS team. At first it was Zoom. Now we use team to update each other on the progress. Then I also have these department managers and the cinema managers to cascade down to their direct reports at the cinema to make use of this uh, software to keep in constant communication with their team members and staff. Mm -hmm. This you are literally defining the future of work as it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. At first, there was some resistance on using it, but once they got get the hang of it, now they are telling me that in future, the location meetings, uh, managers who are not on shift, they don't have to travel back to the cinemas for the meeting. They can just now, in future, attend this via MS team. But are these uh, temporary or do you think that this is going to be sort of like a, a long-term thing? I think we will be definitely adapting this for the long term because once you find the convenience and the ease of use, we will definitely use that as a main communication tool so that we doesn't have to meet face-to-face -face all the time anymore. Because we have you know, 14 locations throughout Singapore and they all have to travel to head office with this video conferencing and a lot of practice on it, sharing of documents. I think we future meetings with the location can be done this way. Mm -hmm. Will that then require a lot of adjustments? I mean, the key element for all these things is that you need to have a lot of trust with the employees, right? Everyone's remote that you don't necessarily see them physically all the time. And will that mean significant changes with HR policies that needs to be adjusted to uh, adapt to this new norm that we're talking about? 
I think because the way we are set up, we are actually throughout Singapore, so we don't really have a lot of face-to-face meeting anyway. But I think with the video conferencing tools, we can actually see the face now more often. In terms of HR policies, I think work from home will be a new norm. We just have to figure out who, when, how frequent, and the kind of hardware or software support that they will need. Like we realized that for some department, for example, HR and finance, because you know in the past when they were in the office, they had to print out people to check the figures and all that. But when you work at home and you do, you don't have printer. How are we going to do that? So it may be that we will have to buy a, a second screen, TV screen for them, so that they can check through in that way. So quite a number of the changes and things that we have to prepare. Sure. So it's more operational support and adaptation rather than policies that requires changing from the HR perspective. Let me shift gears a little bit and ask you, what are your thoughts? I mean, we are going closer and closer towards the lifting of the circuit breaker, and hopefully that actually lifts quickly. Now, what would be the key investment efforts from a short-term perspective to maybe to a mid-term perspective? Say, for example, between the first week when you get out of it, all the way down to maybe three months later down the road as we lift it up. What are your key investment areas that you're most likely going to look into? I think one of the key questions that we have to ask Enterprise Singapore will be what would be the social distancing measure in place if and when we are allowed to reopen. As you know, the measure progressively got tightened, right? Maximum 10 person in the group or mandatory one meter or two meter distancing between person and then no dining, only takeaway. So the clarity of rules or measure is important especially in week one for us to understand and ensure that we're in compliance and doing the right thing. We also have to build our consumers' confidence by ensuring that we continue to put in place safety measures, constant supply of soap, hand sanitizer at the appropriate area, temperature taking, contact tracing. So week one will be focused on assuring patrons that we are doing whatever we can to make GV movie experience a safe and enjoyable one. Going into month three by then, I think we hope to bring back events and interaction for patrons. But of course, this is still subject to the government direction at that point in time. So safety is the first week and month three is more on business rebuilding generally, correct? Correct, correct. We want to create memories for our customers going into by month three and four. So we will introduce more campaign to drive transaction. But of course, uh, safety is of our most concern for us in the initial stage. Talking about safety, right? The key thing is that one of the most valuable resources in most organizations, of course, is the manpower. And how would you think that we should be managing employee safety when we reopen? What are your thoughts on ensuring employee safety? It's the experience with the imported the label has shown the health, hygiene and welfare of workers will take on and um, increase urgency and priority. So temperature checks at the workplace will be a daily mandatory exercise even is given. In fact, in the weeks before closure, this were already in place. So I think it's just doing the same. We have to step up precautionary measures, frequent sanitization of the public areas, such as the elevator button, escalator handrail, hand sanitizer, wear masks. I think everyone now has to wear masks, uh, gloves, especially for the staff that are taking temperature. Now that we've spoken quite a bit about you managing the teams and the business, and I'm going to start to shift my focus towards you as an individual, <laughs> the personal <laughs> impact. I'm sure, right? It impacted everyone at a very personal level. So 
maybe I can ask you then, what are the key lessons that you've learned about yourself, the organization and the people that will guide your business post-COVID-19? Now, you know, with the ever-evolving situation that we've been through, we were, it was really important for us to react promptly. Once the PM or the authority announces a new measure, we expected to be able to comply quickly. So on-time communication about these last-minute changes to my team, you know, what needs to be done to face these changes were key to ensuring that despite the disruption, that we don't crumble and we work together to overcome the disruption. Different team members have different strengths. Some are more adaptable. Some still need guidance along the way. So I have to be more detailed. I have to emphasize on over rather than under communication, reiterate and then not assume that everything will work itself out. So in summary, enhancing our corporate flexibility and agility in communications are things that we have to develop along the way. So there's a lot of adaptability, being very agile as well as the importance of constant and good quality communications to everyone at all the stakeholders right from employees to the public and all now how has this changed you then personally i mean in terms of your leadership management of vision how does that impact you and how have you changed well in terms of leadership so as a leader i need to build on and retain the trust that the team has with the company and to motivate them to do their best at work even though you know we are in a closure period we have to sensitively manage the team's expectation with regards to let's say mandatory leave taking during this period and at the same time they have to be managing their workload from home and then we have to also check in with the team regularly and keep their spirit high during this period of uncertainty and allocate resources and manage the workload even though we have reduction in working hours due to the mandatory leaves so we have to exercise some give and take in terms of the work of day arrangement. We have to also be more understanding and cut them some slack in terms of the work quality. So generally, I think as a leader, you tend to become more empathetic towards a lot of things as well. So empathy is definitely a key factor that we need to raise all in to write this out as well. Being empathetic, we can then rebuild the trust with all our employees and our staff as well and our colleagues, yes. So, what have you learned about yourself then? You know, I've been through crisis over the 20 over years of work life here. I guess I've built up some resilience that helped me throughout this crisis. I've thought hard about this question. I mean, not much that I don't know about myself at my age now. But I'm enjoying the time that I have, what my sons have now for me because we get to play games together every weekend when my younger one is back from the army. So I'm catching up on lost time. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of family bonding is possible right now. <laughs> Forced family yeah, bonding. Exactly. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah. It means a substantial part of the time when you were growing up. So now it's the best time for us to catch up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Oh, thank you, Clara, for sharing your candid views and valuable insights. I'm sure all our fellow industry leaders listening in would greatly benefit from it. Now, most of all, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to our QED Changemaker Series podcast. For more information on QED's leadership development solutions, email us at info at qed.sg. Now, do remember to subscribe to our channel and be updated on our latest episode. I'm your host, Ryan Lim, and I look forward to having you in our next episode.